If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain. Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat up old running shoes. Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery. Well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to the Always Be Comedy podcast. My name is James Gill. I am the MC at the multi-award-winning comedy nights, Always Be Comedy. I'm joined, as always, by my comedy husband, Always Be Comedy's very own, Tim Lewis. Hello, Tim Lewis. Hello, James Gill. The Always Be Comedy podcast is where we sit down with a guest and they curate what would be their dream comedy gig. Who would open? Who would close? What sort of gigging nightmare that they've experienced must not, under any circumstances, happen at this fantasy comedy gig? It's all this and so much more. And by so much more, we often mean quite a lot of gossip. Hello, welcome to the Always Be Comedy podcast. We're joined today by Tim, an absolute comedy heavyweight, a powerhouse, a slobber knocker, a behemoth, uh, the great Reginald D. Hunter, uh, Tim, we have worked with this dude a fair bit down the years. Talk about swagger. If John Wayne saw Reginald D. Hunter walk on stage, even the Duke would go, who the hell is this guy? Yeah, 100%. He's so person in the green room. He's got presence. He's an absolute star on and off stage. I really love spending time with him. I think he's a brilliant comic and yeah just as as we all know one of the coolest comedians there's ever been i mean the the timber to that voice as well yeah <laughs> yeah 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 he it's just it's so his own thing it's so brilliant also reg reveals his journey into comedy i had no idea i just when you watch reg you just think out of the womb, pure comedian. And it turns out that is absolutely not the case. And I think, I think we mentioned, I think I met, I bring up Bishop in the chat, don't I? I think it's a bit like John Bishop in that when he started doing it, it was very apparent to other people. Oh, hang on a minute. This dude's a total natural. Um, I've got to say, Tim, I love those sorts of stories. The people who almost sort of, stumble into stand-up and then it turns out they are phenomenal at stand-up i mean it's 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 almost unfair it is unfair because we always hear the cliche of someone will go up to a comedian and say oh my mate's going to give stand-up because he's brilliant and the difference between being the funny person in the pub and being a brilliant stand-up is so stark but every now and again 
it comes across. And yeah, John Bishop and, well, no spoilers, but possibly Reg D. Hunter. <laughs> there is a lad who works in the little, the Tesco Express at the end of my street. And I've said to this lad, I've got to be careful because he's a lot younger than I am. I don't, <laughs> I don't sound like I'm grooming the lad, but my, my wife shares my passion about he's. I think he might be the, he, well, I shouldn't say the funniest. He's one of the most naturally funny people I've ever encountered in my life. And I eventually plucked up the courage and said to him, mate, I think you should get into comedy. Um, but this is, this is sort of like the crying shame, not just comedy, all, all sorts of walks of life. There are people out there who will, be, who will be brilliant at certain things and they just never actually give it a go, you know? I, I just can't, <laughs> I'm just thinking now, we need to give this guy a gig. <laughs> I'm fascinated by this guy. Oh my god! I'm not joking. I will deliberately not go to the checkout, even though I'm ready, so I can eavesdrop on him being hilarious with the next customer. Oh my god! Oh my god! He's got, this lad's got charisma to burn. And then, yeah, eventually, I was like, and then, and then I did, and then a second time, I went, mate, remember what I said? He's like, I, I do, I do remember. Um, <laughs> But you know what? Maybe he's happy being the the most hilarious guy in the history of Tesco. Im- imagine if this guy does do comedy, and in ten years' time, he's one of the biggest names, and you plucked him not even out of obscurity in a completely different job. I, I wouldn't. I would not bat an eyelid if he had a radio show. And he, I, in my mind, he's a comedy star, and he's got his own radio show. I would. I would be the most avid listener because everything that comes out of this dude's mouth, I'm I'm like wiping tears of laughter away. God, he's funny. Uh, it's very unlikely that he's listening to this, but I tell you what, mate. Next time I'm going to my Tesco Express, I'm giving that lad another nudge. But it's it's hard. It's you know, I mean, like you know, Reg Reg explains his journey, but for anyone who wants to get into comedy, it's I suppose ultimately, Tim, you've just got to go out and make it happen, haven't you? No one's going to wave that magic wand you just got to, i think i might have told you this when i first got into stand-up uh, my, my very my very very first of a gig tim viner dropped in to try some new material and i pinged him some emails asking for advice he answered every I mean, fair play i i, I, I yeah. thanked him once again just just the other week actually um just for, just for for being a, a top dude but he answered every one of them and anyway ultimately his advice imagine if i had a heart attack and you never found out <laughs> I'll the say secret. I'm not going to put the episode out. <laughs> you do. The secret to, to go, go. Um, sorry, that was important. The secret, but no, no. So this is it. If you if you want to get in stand up, Tim Ryan, it's going. This will feel anticlimactic, but ultimately this is it. He said there is no substitute for standing under the lights, and that is all it comes down to. You've ju- if you want to do it, you've just got to. And now, Tim, this is where it's harder. Back in the day, I was chatting with Al Murray. Al Murray was down last night. We had this, we're having this conversation. You would just buy Time Out and find conservatively 30 gigs. And if you wanted to do a gig, you'd drop an email and do the open mic circuit. Tim, I imagine it's trickier now. I I think it might be. I think it could be easier. There seems to be so many. There seems to be even more. This is good. I, now, I could be wrong. We, no, no, no. But we we did have we had a link, didn't we? That had the open. We did have a link, didn't we? Can we find it in real time? <laughs> OpenMikeFinder.com. There seems to see. There seems to be 
17,000 a night, as far as I can tell. Oh, no, this has been an absolute disaster. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Friday, no events found. Saturday, no events found. Sunday, no, right, trust me, that is not true. <laughs> there are, I'll be true. Be. <laughs> maybe, Tim, maybe... If the list, if any listener knows of like a definitive website with the open mic gigs and any, that's nice. This is nice that we've nice. worked out in real time, and we will share it on our Twitter feed. If anyone, sorry, breaking my own arm while I pat myself on the back. <laughs> Genuinely, if anyone knows of a definitive open mic list, we. So what? So what was interesting? So I started on the open mic circuit thirteen plus years ago. I don't know couple of gigs in my twenties, but but for reals is thirteen plus years ago. And some people, when you're brand new, can't do enough to help you. They'll email you with try this email, try this email. You did you would come across the odd person that absolutely point blank refused to share their contacts. Yeah, there's a few kings off the open spot who are <laughs> tricky people. <laughs> I mean there's enough love to go around. Yes, God, guys, let's help each other. Let's help each other. Well, look, with, with keeping that in mind, if you know of a list that isn't the one that I just found, <laughs> uh, send it in and we will share it. But what goes on to that was Reggie's journey into stand-up and then how it soon became apparent that the dude was an absolute natural. Now, Reginald D. Hunter is on tour now. There are... A lot of the dates are either sold out or limited availability. Uh, but if you can get a ticket, uh, do yourselves a favor. ReginaldDHunter.com. All the dates are on there. Or if you just type in Reginald D. Hunter Tour, uh, you'll find on there. But this, it, this is an opportunity to see uh, an absolute gunslinger. As you say, the powerhouse. He's been... He's been doing it for so long. It's come so naturally to him. It's just so effortless. It's brilliant to watch. The show is called The Man Who Could See Through Shit. Sorry for my language. The Man Who Could See Through Shit. I mean, to be fair, there is some quite choice language on the episode, Tim. So uh, apologising for, for the word shit. The, ho the horse has probably bolted there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it won't surprise you that there is a few swears in this episode. But look... It's exciting stuff. You don't. You very rarely swear, Tim. Oh, really? That's that's quite good. I I never really tell. Whilst I don't promise swearing, I don't want to be swearing all the time. I when I drop an F, but I swear too much, and I like it when I do a warm up and I get told before the warm up, "Can you warm up clean?" Which I as someone who's warmed up for Harry Hill a lot, warming up clean is. It's a fucking piece of piss. No, it's, uh, <laughs> it's nice. It's nice to keep it clean. But there are times when I've dropped an f bomb, and the little voice in my head has gone, "You didn't need to. You didn't need to swear there, James." Yeah, I. There's something I picked up on. <laughs> this is such a tangent. I apologise. Uh, so we went to Progress Wrestling with Sakisa, and that was that was one of the best days. Not including like lovely days with my family. Not that my kids are listening, but that was just, I thought that was just one of the best days, full stop. I had so much fun. It was great to watch it with you. I was watching it through your eyes, essentially. Oh and it was so much God. fun. It was so much fun. 
I could, Tim, we, I could do a bonus episode talking about progress wrestling at the drop of a hat. If you love great fun, <laughs> check out progress wrestling. The, the, we, my, right, I, my wife found my love of progress wrestling so pure that she was like, and I was telling her some of the jokes and some of the bits. Yeah. She was like, I, I want to go. And we, we, we can't do the next couple basically, but maybe in 2024, uh, yeah. Ed Gamble has been obviously Sakisa and Tim are, are big fans. I was telling Nish Kumar, I think Nish is keen. Um, I think comedians would really enjoy it. I think, yeah, I think there's a lot of uh comparisons you can make with live comedy. Don't ask me what they are, but <laughs> I think I think there are some. And the, that lad who hosted Jerry Bakewell, yeah, so brilliant, so funny. So oh funny. my god. <laughs> So funny. I mean, hilarious. Uh, yeah. So if you if you if you if you are remotely intrigued, Google. This is not an ad for Progress Wrestling. Google Progress Wrestling, and it's just you will have so much fun. Um, the, I mean, the dudes are taking big hits. They get they get hurt, you know. But uh, it's what what a great day out. Well, the only only reason I brought it up. And possibly I should be saying this now because we had such a lovely time. But I do remember. Um, I don't know. It get, it's very chanty, the wrestling. It's a lot of fun. But there's some sweary chants. And I remember but sometimes there's kids there and I do feel a bit icky about that. Like, how are you? This is such a big question. How are you when like you're on public transport with your children and there's someone effing and jeffing, let's say? I, my soul leaves my body. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, same, and I don't even have children. <laughs> so the, the girls love pop music, right? And yeah. they love everyone from Taylor Swift to Nicki Minaj to, you know, that sort of ilk. The the the, the big uh, the big pop stars, Dua Lipa's another one. They yeah. love all those dudes, right? And what you don't realise is... There, there's more profanity in a lot of. By the way, these pop songs are absolute bangers. I some some of them I absolutely love. This thing of music's not. If you're the sort of person that says music isn't as good as it used to be, then you are. You you need to have a look at yourself because that is. I think that's an age thing, isn't it? You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, of, of course. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I remember Conan O'Brien saying, "You never want to be the put." You know, people in the '60s. Some people would say things like, uh, "They would like criticize the Beatles." Yeah, 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 yeah. No, you never, you never want to be that guy. Anyway, I think pop music's brilliant. But anyway, some of the language is what's this song? Paint the town red. Is it Doja Cat? It's an absolute banger. It is a banger, but there's quite a few B words in there. And yeah, then my yeah. my girls are singing along, and then my wife and I are having to like do the comedy coughing when we know it's coming up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, Sarah Kendall had a great bit. About oh, what a things. bit! Yeah. I can't remember a song, but it was just exceptional. Yeah, that's right. There's a lot of correspondence, and we did not mean to talk about progress wrestling as much as we did. Uh, Anna writes, this one is, uh, this is lovely. I await this podcast like it has medicinal purposes, and effectively it does. Already on the cryometer, I've gone straight to a four. In tough times, always be comedy is a beacon of light, and there's no better tonic than a belly laugh. Going up to a five, 
I absolutely, <laughs> I absolutely love what James and comedy husband Tim have done here with this podcast and at the Tommy Field. Oh my God, Tim, this is a classic case of me not reading the whole thing deliberately. Taking it to a seven. Feel so lucky to be alive at the same time as these. Oh my God, Anna, what are you doing to us? Up to an eight. Feel so lucky to be alive at the same time as these lovely people and all the side splitting comedians. Exclamation point. Kiss. Cheers. Uh, Anna Pinkerton. I regret saying your full name. (laughs) Anna Pinkerton. Uh, huge and heartfelt thanks. Thank That means a great deal. The reason why I said I, I regret saying your full name is because uh, I think we've talked about this. That there's the there's a, a children's program where Russ Abbott, one of my heroes, re- <laughs> reads out on this kid show like mid eighties, reads out a letter from a kid and uh, accidentally <laughs> reads out the child's full address. Um, so sorry, Anna. Oh, it's great. It's superb. And ble- bless him. Uh, Tim, is, is there time for one more? Uh, okay, good enough answer. Right, we will bring on the great <laughs> next week. We we'll promise we will not get sidetracked next week, and we'll read out uh, the multiple cross. Oh, we got some. We, so anyway, we'll do it next week. It's fine. Uh, please, even though we failed you this week, <laughs> please keep the correspondence coming in. The team at alwaysbecomedy.com uh, across the socials at alwaysbecomedy. Uh, one of the greats, you, you can, you, a great chance to see him on tour. As we say, check out ReginaldDHunter.com. Here he is, the maestro, Reginald D. Hunter. Reg looks a million dollars. We'll, we'll keep that in. Reg, you, 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 you're saying you prefer late at night. I, I'm seeing a new side of Reg, early morning Reg. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, we, we're joined by one of the, the greats, a powerhouse performer, charisma like you've never seen before. I mean, sweet Jesus. But no, no Reg, just to kick off, I can't, <laughs> I can't believe this about you. You came to stand up via acting, almost like a fluke. Is this, is, is this true? Uh, yeah, that's more or less true. I can't believe when I whenever I watch you, I just think that is a man who was a you. I imagine you in the womb holding a microphone. I can't. I can't believe uh, uh, that. So what? Talk us through it. What? So what happened? So you were you were an actor originally, and then it, is it true? It, it, you, it, it was quite unusual how you got into stand up. It happened like this. Um, I um I auditioned. I applied to get into Rada. Uh, I got as far as the audition process. The auditions that year were being held in New York. So I went to New York and I stayed with cousins and I'd never been to New York like that before. And my, one of my cousins said to me, this is your first trip to New York, what would you like to do? And I said, I'd like to go to a comedy club. And that's the first time I went to a comedy club, went to the comedy store in New York and it was like a Monday night and they had like 16 acts and they were dreadful, I mean, I didn't know anything about doing stand-up, but I knew these people were bad. And I went away thinking, I could do that. <laughs> and I kind of just put that in my pouch. <laughs> so were you, now were you, were you really good from the off or did it take a while? Um, I, um, I was pretty lucky. Um, my, first, my first 10, 15 gigs went great um, because I wasn't, I didn't come into it like, I've always wanted to do this. I need to do this. I was like, if it didn't work out, I'd do something else. <laughs> and it, but so fortunately, it went that well 
And I thought, oh, I think I may have an aptitude for this. And so, um, yeah, I just, um, I did. And then um, by, the time, by the time I got my first headline gig, which is like, like 10 gigs later, and this, it, like, it was like in Liverpool somewhere, like a little pub. By then, I had my first semblance of a real set. Within 10 gigs? Yeah. I can't, any comedians listening to this, I promise you are spitting out their water. This is like 10 gigs over, you know, five, six months, you know, so I had time to go. But I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I didn't know that that was a, a, an astonishing rate. Um, I, was, I mean, I was I got a lot of breaks because, uh, first of all, I was living in Birmingham. And at that time, everybody and their cousin was opening a little pub, a pub function room or just everybody little hole in the wall. Everybody was trying to do stand up comedy. So by the time I turned up to London, I, you know, you just need stage time. By the time I turned up to London, about eight months later, I had about 40 solid minutes under my belt because I just had the time to work up north. And oh I just happened to come at the right time. It was just, it was, it was a boom. It was just, I mean, everybody was trying to do stand up comedy in some little room here and there. It was just, it was a great time to be an up and coming comedian. It was just, it was everywhere. Cause, so, I mean, a lot of, a lot of comedians can take them like over a hundred gigs to work, you know, to, to get good. So the only other person I know other than you, Reg, who seems to have cracked the Enigma code, uh, John, John, I know John Bishop has said he started doing stand-up and then people go into him. It sounds like you're, you're very similar. People would go to him, you know, you're really good at this. And he was like, <laughs> he was like, what am I really? So you just, you just sort of without real, did you have the same sort of thing with people going, Reg, you, you actually got something here. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, it's just, um, <laughs> You know, some people people walk up and they say all kind of stuff. You know, it's just you know, you, you should try this. You know, you, you, you be you might you might be you might be some good at it. Or, or sometimes people walk up to me and they'll say, "Are you famous?" And I'll say, "Do you know who I am?" And they go, "No, then probably not." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, from from my now tell me I'm wrong, but from my point of view, it felt it felt to me, but maybe maybe I'm wrong here as a as a as a, a lifelong fan of comedy, it felt to me that your, your appearances on the, I remember you doing, have I got news for you? Maybe like the first couple of times. And that to me, that felt like you really popped on that show. Is, uh, is, is that, is that fair to say that that was a, that was a, um, a real launch? Yeah. That, um, that was in a period there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was, um, and it was weird is that, um, I really didn't, and a lot of those shows, I, I didn't feel like I really knew what was happening. Um, I would sit there, like I've, I've had men come up to me at parties and say, I know who you are, and I know exactly what you do. I've seen you. You sit there, you act like you don't give a damn, and then suddenly you pounce. It's brilliant. It's bloody brilliant. And it's like, well, it's not quite like that. It's just, I was taught not to say that when people talking about stuff you don't know nothing about. <laughs> And, so, and but when but but when your subject come around, be ready. <laughs> so, so that description is that is that is how it came across. You had this, you had this almost like I don't care attitude. There's it right. There's a, this is such a tangent, but I know you like sports. So I know you'll appreciate this. Uh, there was a there was a cricketer, Graham Swan, right? Mm. And he's he's not a fan of cricket. Mm. So he got into cricket quite late, and he doesn't give a toss really about cricket. Mm -hmm. And then he had this amazing career with England. He won the Ashes. I mean, he won pretty much everything that you can win. And he always he always felt 
he said like other cricketers like from birth the parents were like you're gonna play cricket you're gonna play cricket so they played for the county team when they were kids and the pressure the pressure and cricket was such a passion and he said they often froze at the big occasion because cricket was it meant so much to them whereas he was going into it like i couldn't give a toss is there is there an element of graham swan about you in that it sort of you, you were able to flourish because yeah what does it matter well your Graham Swan sounds like the Marlon Brando of cricket. <laughs> <laughs> Graham Swan would love that. <laughs> Did you say he was fat? No, 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 oh, 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 no, no, no. Graham, that would be like, wow. We're not, we're not saying your routine building. <laughs> no, no, no. Graham Swan was was not fat. Okay, it was, okay. Right. It was more. <laughs> so, uh, Graham Swan's lawyer. Yeah, not right now. Um, no, it was it, yeah, it was more that, that he. It was more that he was he he had this calmness and this cool and he delivered at the uh, when it really mattered because I think he did it didn't really matter to him. Hmm. Um, well, you know, um, you know, pressure, man. Just you know, what's pressure to you may not be pressure to me. And just yeah, he, since he wasn't plugged into it, like he liked cricket, but he didn't need it the way a lot of people do. Yeah. <laughs> so when did you when did you realize with uh, with stand up? Because as I say, I know that there was there was this uh, from youth there was the, there was the, there was this acting. But when did you realize with stand up? Hang on a minute, I could actually I could, not only am I good at this, but I can actually earn a earn a living and earn a good living from this. After my first gig, um, what are uh, you talking about? <laughs> I didn't oh say my God, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was fantastic from the beginning. <laughs> no, you know what? Um, um, it, it did not. Trust me, it did not live the way it sounds. <laughs> um, I had managed to talk this man into letting me on for ten minutes at this club up the road, and and I was. I was sitting in the audience and I was about, the dude was just about to announce my name. When it dawned on me, I hadn't written any jokes. All I all I had was an accent and an attitude. <laughs> and so, but um between walk between between the table and the stage, I managed to like come up with something about me being a rebellious kid, which is why before I came to England, I had joined the Blue Club plan. And that kind of broke the audience up. And and but but more than that, they knew it was my first time, and and plus they had been seeing like these northern these these, these working class white dudes come on and off stage, and it was like oh something different, and so you know that all that all that you know, went to my advantage. So, but um, after the show, the man the man who ran everything, he gave me ten pounds, and I was so broke, and I was so hungry, and I was walking home. And I looked at my stars and I said, I think I might be pretty good at this. If you allow me to reach any form of greatness with this, I will serve you first. <laughs> and so that, that, I, I lived that mantra. For better or worse, I've, I've, I've served it first. That's incredible. I mean, how do, you, how do you generate material? The reason why I ask that is that I know, and you know, you'll know them as well, we know guys that will go on stage, uh, say a new material night, some of them do it with nothing and are literally writing while the words are coming out of the mouth, then there are other dudes who treat it like a full-time job, 
you know, they'll sit in an office nine o'clock, right, right, right till till five o'clock, uh, some somewhere in between. How, how about yourself, Reg? No, no, I'm, I wish I could be those guys. I really do. I wish it's just um, it's serving it first. It part of serving it first means whenever it gives you an idea or a joke, you get up off your ass and you find a pen and a piece of paper, no matter what you're doing. Oh, it, and for me, it comes when it comes. And um, it's like now, it's like I'm touring right now. And it's like, I had a, I had a day the other day, but like, you know, you, you always getting, you know, little ideas for, for setups and, you know, and, 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 and premises and stuff. But then some days it's just like five or six just fall in your lap, fully gift wrap, premise, setup, punch, just like manna from heaven. And it's just, and what you're trying, and what I'm, what I'm trying to do, you can't make that happen. But what you can do is create an environment around yourself where it's more capable of happening. How, how, Reg, I've never asked a question more selfishly for myself quite like this. How, how do you, do, how do you engineer it where the things seem to drop in uh, with, with a high frequency frequency rate? Um, you, you're making me bigger my stuff now. Um, <laughs> um, number one, um, when I, when, when I need it, when I, when I'm, when I'm looking for it, um, I get real particular about whose energy I mix mine with. Uh, there's just some people that just, they, there, there are some people who help generate the thing. There are some people who stay out of the way of the thing and wait when you generate it. But there are some people who are completely antithetical to the thing. Keep them, keep them motherfuckers away from you. Um, and you have to, I find for myself, uh, smoothly, elegantly, but formidable, formidable jazz cigarette. That plus you read and you look at stuff. And after a while, something makes you giggle. Just, you, 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 it just, and when it when it when it turns when it finally goes, it's likely to go a few more times. And then later on, you look at the stuff, and you're doing good. If like ten things occurred and two are funny, you're doing good. That's good. You know that's that's. And and then sometimes you don't find the joke. You find the piece to something you have wrote five years ago, and you go, oh, that goes together. But you have to find out what your thing is. Everybody everybody's at their own frequency. So, you know, whatever it is that makes you silly, there's, there's a right kind of silly that you need to write your jokes with. And there's a certain person in your life that helps generate that. There's a certain beverage or time of day. You just have to find, you have to find what it is, what it is that makes you do what you do. And so your, my thing, and your thing ain't gonna be the same. They might overlap, but they ain't gonna be the same thing. I find sometimes like when I'm not working, I just, I just wanna be happy. I'm indifferent and I don't like to feel bad. It's, it, I, you have to be vigilant about your joy. But when it's time to go back to work, I have to start reading again in a way I hadn't been. I have to start looking at the news in a way I hadn't been. And then all of that starts making me angry. And then the thing starts clicking again. <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest with you, Reg, in all the episodes we've done, that's one of the great, what an answer that is. Absolutely superb, brilliant. Um, I mean, also, I mean, Reg, you know, you've been, you've been going a good while now and this, this following you've built up, I mean, it's, it's, 
it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. There's the, there's the new tour, the man who could see through shit. What can you, by the way, if you want to get a ticket, good luck, because you go on there, limited availability, limited availability. You know, you, you love to see it. What if, if for those who haven't got a ticket yet, what can you expect from the man who could see through shit? Uh, well, the show is still evolving. I mean, uh, I've, I've, been, I've been doing it since the beginning of October. It started in Ireland. And, you know, after about three weeks, the engine of the show is in. And then after that, it's like, what, what else are you going to use to make it pretty, you know? And comfortable, elegant, all of that. Just, and, and, and so, you know, it started out as sort of an homage to my mother. My mama used to say that, you know, about, about seeing through shit. And, and, and then, you know, man, she and I had a difficult relationship. And part of this is about mothers and sons. There's, it's, it's, I, 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 I touch on this almost pathological protectionism we have, to, men have towards their mothers as opposed to their fathers. So do I take it with this, with this new show that it's, there are certain pearls of wisdom that your mom had or, or ways, uh, philosophies, ways to live your life. Is that the basis for some of the, the routines I take it then? Things that your mom had come out with? Um, it's, it's kind of, but not really. Um, you know, you know me, I, I'm going to have a curveball in there, you know? You know. <laughs> yeah, come on, man. It's, I mean, it's kind of that, but it's not that. Um, it's, I'll probably, I probably, if, if the universe grants me more time in life, I probably will have more to say about my mother. And it's, she and I had a contentious relationship. We loved each other fiercely, but just, uh, um, and over the years, I've spoken so much about my father. And I mean, if, if you caught me at the wrong times, you'd think I, I didn't have no mom. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but it's, but it's also, the show is also about aging. You know, you know I'm, I'm, I'm 54, I'm old man now. I'm a rookie old man, but I mean, I'm old man now. A <laughs> <laughs> rookie old man. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just, but you know, and um, you know, like, it's like you'd be looking at, you'd be filling out some questionnaire and they'd be like, you know, if, if you are age 50, and I'm like, oh, I am in that bracket. I'm, I'm, I'm senior citizen or senior citizen-ish. Yeah, it's, and, and, uh, and it's not like, you know, oh, this is bad and my feet hurt all the time. It ain't none of that. <laughs> it, but it's, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I find myself trying to check myself. You know, like my old man, that's a long story, so I won't do that, but. Um, no, go on. About 10 years ago, I went home and I was erroneously told that my older brother had moved in my father's house and chased my father out of his bedroom and chased my father into my old bedroom. And when I heard that, I went blind with rage. So I went. And I, and I sat with daddy and I said, is this true? And he looked at me and he said, no. He says, I gave your brother that room um, because it's the biggest room in the house. And I, you know, reminded me of your mother. And, you know, I'd rather not have that since she's no longer with us. And I sleep in your room because your mattress is better for my back. Uh, and we sat there quiet for a moment. And then he leans close to me and he says, what is it about me? that makes it seem I would let myself be treated that way. And he was genuinely asking, like, is there something about me 
Yeah. Slipping in some way. What what is it about me that makes you think that's believable that I'd let my son treat me like that? And I and and I I know various times over the years, I was seeing various ways, just checking himself to see if he was still him. Or if he was still him, that was as much as anything he was 10 years ago, 20 years ago. You you're checking yourself, you know? And so, yeah, I found myself doing that. <laughs> Because yeah. also what your dad's saying there is, look, you're my son, I'm your dad. I, I you're you're doing me a favor. I I want to know this about myself. Be 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 straight with me. That was the that's the vibe I said. <laughs> yeah, you know, just just is something about me. Tell me, you know this, and and I and I've, I've long believed that part of the job of real friends, not people, not just people who love you, but people who are on your side. Um, you have to have at least one or two people who will tell you the truth about yourself, especially when it's great. It's like, you do this well, or you're great at this, or stop, you know, some people think um, declaring yourself as honest is just a license to be unkind and insensitive. And those people really get my guilt. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> some of them so good at it, they take my whole farm. <laughs> now, you, look, I'm just gonna say this, Reg, I'm not. I'm not blowing smoke. You are not. You are not old, right? But I love that line about rookie, rookie old guy. However, and I say this with so much love in my heart. Even when you were when you were a younger dude, you you've always been an old soul. I can't think of anyone who suits being. You're not old yet, but nobody suits being old quite like Reg. I think. <laughs> I mean, it's good to be that way around. We all know the guy that thinks they're 23 years old. And you're like, no, you're not. But you, but you've got you've got old soul energy. Oh, well, thank you. I so appreciate that. And and I really appreciate that the effort you undertook in trying to say that well. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> but I could, what I suppose what I mean is I can I can see you you will still be touring in I hope into your 70s. You've got so much to say. You got no, you don't think <laughs> um just just for the listener knows, Reg nearly fell off his chair when I said that. Oh. <laughs> I, I think I mean, I mean, I say that in a in a selfish way, you know, because some of the a lot of comedians are still churning out their best stuff. Like someone like Ken Dodd was still an absolute powerhouse, well into it, and he and he had to keep gigging. He couldn't he couldn't sit at home and retire, you know. Or 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 are you secretly planning retirement? Um, I, you know, I've been hearing them Ken Dodd stories for a long time, and that, that I mean, just it's, in the world of of comedians, to me, that that nigga he Hercules, he's the Hercules of comedian. And it's like, but I've, I've asked myself two, three hour shows. I don't know if I've ever needed it that much. I mean, you you got, you got, it's good to want it, but you got past a certain point, you need it. And you know, to me that's need, you need it. And just, and I mean, maybe, I'm, I'm, and I'm not knocking it, but I like to hope that somewhere around 60, 65, I have me a, I have me a chunk of money. If, if not, if not fuck you money, then a chunk of money so I can get, I can grab me a woman somewhere and we can go and disappear and just, and, and then, you know, and then I might change, I might even change my name, man. I might, I might change my, I might change my, me and my woman name to Mr. and Mrs. Mungo Slade. <laughs> Big old fro and stuff. I might be, I might be teaching literature at some little art college or something, man. And just, and just, are you Reginald D. Hunter? No, me and my wife, we detest the word nigga. <laughs> <laughs> I love that phrase, uh, fuck you money. I think it was, 
you know Andy Richter, Conan Conan O'Brien's other comedy half. Oh he, yeah, yeah. I think it, I think it was Andy Richter told this story because they used to be on NBC, and he says his definition of fuck you money was when uh, Frasier was the was the number one show, and NBC would helicopter Kelsey Grammer onto the lot to shoot the episode, and then they'd helicopter Kelsey Grammer out. And whenever Andy Richter saw the helicopter, he always thought Kelsey Grammer's got fuck you money. <laughs> <laughs> oh man um my um my two my, my road dog he's um he's my buddy but he's my assistant but um he's when we on when we on tour he's my road dog but when we're not on tour then he's he's my house dog um um me and road dog we talk about marlon brando a lot i mean we we, we find brando stories hilarious love them you know like um recently we um we learned that um during during the seventies, late seventies, Brando would like put on disguises and go throughout LA during the night trying different people's hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> and you know he did it. <laughs> this is delicious. This is a very delicious hot dog. No, no, I I'm just a guy. I'm from, I'm from Kansas. <laughs> put his mustache back on. And just to think that. You know, he got to a point where he was so fat that he he had to do scenes without without any pants on, and then he just started doing it. And people was like, "Is Brandon bottomless? Shut up! He's a genius. <laughs> just get away with that." Just, everyone thinks that everything you do is genius. Everything, every little crazy eccentric photo. Just because you was great in the fifties, and that one time in the seventies. <laughs> That is true. There's the movie, there's the crime caper he did with Ed Norton. I think De Niro's in it as well. Does I think Frank Oz directs it? I can't remember what it's called. I think I think in that one he he wore no pants for some scenes. <laughs> and again, oh what a, what a maverick, one of a kind. <laughs> good, good luck doing that now, Marlon. HR will be tapping you on the shoulder. Hi, I'm going to whisper some things to you now about Crunch chocolate bars. Because apparently this whispering thing is a thing that makes you feel things. It's saying something crunchy is coming in the candy wrapper language. Mm. Imagine your tongue hiking up those crispy, rocky ridges. Now, drum roll, please. Wow, that's good. Crunchy, munchy chocolate doesn't whisper. Turn up the fun with crunch. Right, Reg. You, imagine you create, you're curating your dream gig. Do you, do you have any pre-gig rituals, Reg? Uh, yes. I usually, um, if when I'm on tour, I try to have a nap. Um, I find if I get up early and do my necessaries, we'll be back in my room by like be be back in my room by one thirty. Take a two hour nap. When I wake up, whole new dude. Just a whole new dude. Just Feel stable, feel like my feet planted in the world, just not pressured. And then um, I'll have um, two tablespoons of vitamin C powder with grapefruit juice. And then I'll follow that maybe 30 minutes later with uh, coffee with a couple of dollars of pure honey. And usually about by half hour post showtime, it, it, it properly clears the guts. Just, just makes you feel light and able. Just you know, just uncomfortable. Yeah, and 
And then um, I used to drink, but um, I don't drink. I don't. I don't. I don't drink on stage anymore. Um, I may do it again sometime, but I seem to be in a period of not doing that. <laughs> and but I still have a strong pull or two of a smooth, elegant yet formidable jazz cigarette. And and then you walk on stage, and and you just have to remember it, all of that helps me remember to have fun and not take myself too seriously. Just not take my problems or my mood. Because sometimes, you know, you just, I don't want to do it. I just want to stay in bed. Just, why can't I have friends? All that old stuff. Like, Shut up. Just let's, let's go. Per perfect answer. Brilliant. Now, who, if, you, if you're creating your, uh, curating your dream gig, who would be your MC, Reg? I would have Dave Allen. Dave Allen, as MC, is such an incredible choice. One of, I mean, any young listeners who've, who've not checked out Dave Allen, go on YouTube, you're in for a treat. Reg, one of the greatest comedians ever. <laughs> uh, it's just, um, when I was a kid and I saw him, I was, like, I, was, I was like in the third grade when I saw Dave Allen for the first time, which, which was in like 10 or 11. He came on, he and Benny Hill came on, uh, Benny Hill came on at 11 and Dave 30 came on, Dave came on at 11.30. Supposed to be past my bedtime. But I will sneak back up and I turn the TV on. And I started out watching it for Benny Hill because of the tits. And, but, <laughs> but uh, by the end of the summer, I, 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 was, I, was, I was ignoring Benny Hill, Benny, Benny Hill and um, just locking in the day. And the thing is, I didn't know anything about Britain or Ireland. Um, but yet, and still, he made me feel like, I understood everything he was talking about. And there was something inside of me, whether consciously or whether subconsciously or unconsciously, said, I want to be like that. <laughs> I want to be able to do that. <laughs> I want to be able to make people feel this, <laughs> what he's doing. I want to do that. Reg, I say this again. I would say mission accomplished, my friend. <laughs> there's, yes. a bit, there's, there's a lot of Dave in you, and that's that's the compliments don't get bigger bigger than that, you know? Um, just makes me wish at that time, I, I wish I had had wealthier ambitions. <laughs> <laughs> who would, uh, who, who would open the gig? Joni Mitchell. I just, I just find it amazing. She exists. <laughs> Joni Mitchell. The singer, Joni Mitchell. Have you seen, have you seen her live? I, I've never seen her live. It's just, uh, it's, it's just. I, just, I mean, ever since I was a kid, man, I used to just imagine sitting up in a in, in a bed with her in the winter somewhere and under a quilt, eating toast and drinking hot chocolate. And it's like, and I'd be like, tell me more, Joni. I know I hurt you. I would never do this to you. <laughs> <laughs> right, perfect. Who, who, middle, middle, middle section, Reg, who would you like, who would you put in the middle? Either Prime Glenn Wolves or Prime Seeds. You can have them both. <laughs> you slap them niggas on there. <laughs> <laughs> Prime. And I mean, um, I hadn't watched either properly for a strong minute, so I can't say where they're at right now, but I was with them when we was all supposed to be in our prime, and when they was in their prime, which is, which is... I mean, we were, we were talking about Glenn Wolves just the other night. I mean, what... Uh... What a phenomenal comedian. 
<laughs> oh man, over the years, man, there's been there's been a number of girlfriends I've had that I've, at some point I've had to have this conversation. No, honey. Remember when I was telling when I was trying to explain to you the like a comedian's comedian? That's Glenn. Makes sense now? Yeah, he makes other comedians laugh. Yeah, on and off stage. <laughs> I mean, it's, a, it's, I mean, it's a, cl a cliche about comedians, but Glenn Wall is the guy where the comedians would come out of the green room to watch Glenn, and then once Glenn had finished, would go back, <laughs> would go back to the green room. Yeah. Just, um, you know, uh, I worked with him recently for a minute uh, at the Galway Festival, but, um, you know, it was both performing. And I didn't get to see him at length. Um, but he's still bringing it. <laughs> still bringing it. <laughs> he's still bringing it. And look, I think he, he looks a million dollars as well. Yeah, yeah. He's always been pretty. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. God bless. He's like um, uh, the Robert Redford stand, stand up, you know? <laughs> oh, that's a great shout. I never thought of that before. The, yeah, you're right. Lo <laughs> can't I'm saying it's lovely features, just like Robert Redford. You know, I, I mean, I mean, every time, every time I see the movie Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, see Glenn for a minute. I see Glenn Wolf and Brendan Burns. <laughs> <laughs> when when Robert Redford says he can't swim, and the the look he gives Newman, you know, as if to say, "Yeah, what you can do about that?" I I I, I see I see your point now. Um, right, who who would close the gig? Prime Hicks. I always sort of regretted that I never got to see him live. You know, just. Um, I mean, in fact, I had to leave America to even hear his name. And he is from Georgia, just like me. Mercy. Crazy. <laughs> I mean, it is, a, it, it is extraordinary that he, it, over here is where it really happened for him. Mm -hmm. Please, please t tell me, Reg, what, what is all that about? Hendrix was another. Um, what, what's all that about where, where Britain has embraced the likes of you, Bill Hicks and so on, and, it, and, and America haven't caught up yet? in the same way that they did over here? I, from personal experience, when I'm over here, I noticed when I moved over here that I could walk down the street several blocks at a time and not have to think about being black once. It's just relaxed. You know, you're, you're not likely to see some redneck who or cop whose face is about to tighten in recognition of your color. And it was just, in fact, another thing that made me say in, in England, is a lot of places I went to over here, white people was happy to see a black guy. <laughs> and I wasn't used to that. It was like, they'd be like, hey, a black guy, hope you brought some music. You know, it was just, you know, it was just, it was just nice. So, and I know that that's not every black, black immigrant's experience over this country, but it was mine. I'm sorry, what was the original question? <laughs> no, just, just, I just wondered why, why we- we've... Oh, that thing, yeah, about- Because Britain, Britain loved Hicks, you know, he was- he was, uh, you know, he was I, a... I, I don't know, you know, I'm not sure exactly what that is, because that's something. Over the years, I've gone to America, and I've hit New York once or twice. I hit LA two or three times, and you know, I, I'm, naturally, that's not enough to you know blow up. But I don't know. It's there's something about my sense of humor that fit over here. I mean, and yeah. the, and. And whereas in, in a lot of parts of America, to, to a lot of working class audiences, especially even black folks, I'm just a slightly overeducated black guy <laughs> with weird hair. So, you know, it's like, but over here, it's like, especially living in London, 
London's full of outsiders. And so it was like, it was weird feeling like an outsider in my home. It's like, you, sometimes, sometimes your energetic or spiritual kin is not found in your home. Has there been a, a lovely incident, a gig that's happened to you that you'd somehow love to replicate at, at this one? Well, this has never happened before, but I've always wanted to like go on stage and do such an impressive opening joke that it not only brings the house down, but the audience stands up and they take me on their shoulders and then they march me down the street and parade and they make me mayor and, and uh, they give me a house and just, you know, and, and, um, and I run for council and just, but like I said, it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I mean, it could happen. It could happen tomorrow, Reg, at your next gig. So, but it <laughs> Shrewsbury. I'm, I'm going to check in with you to see if Shrewsbury Theatre Seven carried you into the street after the opener. Very. Um, now, has there been an incident that's happened to you that must not happen at this gig? Well, so you asking me questions that to tempt fate. <laughs> it's like you know i say the wrong thing to you and fate will go what come here listen to what he's saying is that so <laughs> um oh 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 yeah oh this ah i broke through the chip um ireland um i think it was i think it was uh it was southern ireland it was our original recipe Ireland. um I said, I was, I was 2017 and I was in this wheelchair and I had this routine. It, it was, it was, and it had already been pissing people off. Um, but it was, but the, the people who didn't get pissed off laughed a lot. And um, this married couple got offended and they stormed the stage and charged at me. And I was, <laughs> and I was, I was in a cast. I, my leg was broken. And I gotta tell you, I, that's the first time I've ever had something bearing down on me and I couldn't run or swing. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was a very unpleasant moment. Oh my god. How how did did someone intervene? Did did security stop them? No. <laughs> oh Reg. Yes. Um I ended up this is what happened. Um as they as, as they as they got to me, people on stage started jeering, and then they started arguing back at the people. And, like, <laughs> and then I said, and then to keep their attention going away from me, I handed them the microphone and I said, "This will help them hear you better." <laughs> and I stood there and looked for security, <laughs> and eventually they started leaving, and security walked up. But then something I, I said something else, and they got angry again, and they charged the stage again, and this time security got them. But um, and then after that, they sent they sent an email to all the venues on the rest of that tour trying to cancel me <laughs> because of this joke. <laughs> so yeah, you know, but you know that was unpleasant. But now that I think about it, slightly proud of it now. Yeah. You got, you got a hell of a story out of it. Um, very last question. How do you unwind after a gig, Reg? It depends what kind of gig it was. <laughs> <laughs>
It's, it's you know, it's like, you know, if I'm just, if I'm on a bill and I'm doing a set, you tell me it's less than 30 minutes, you tell me it's 20 minutes. I mean, that's, to me, that's like a little, that's a case of, and you know, you know, shit, you come in and just, especially if I, I'm not gigging far from my house, you know, you might start cooking and then, you know, you're going through the gig and you come back and you finish cooking it's, and it's nice, you know, but then if it's your thing, you know, if it's like, if it's your table, your, your show and you're doing an hour or more or you're performing and there are people in the audience that are opinion makers or, you know, or producers, it, gigs that you have to win. <laughs> you know, you can't just, well, I'll just see if this works. You have to win. <laughs> For sure. Um, when you got to do those, um, I find that after I do gigs where I have to win, then I'm wound up like I'm fully adrenalized for hours after I get home. So, um, uh, uh, some PlayStation or, um, have an ex-girlfriend who, um, we're not lovers or anything anymore, but like when we need to like fight with somebody, we can call each other and just start fighting. <laughs> and... <laughs> And, you know, it's not like, but it's like, you know, just, well, you're not good at love. <laughs> and over there, sometimes you need to watch something. Like, I, I go to one of my go-tos. It's like, um, you know, every year, you know, I, there comes a point where I'm going to need to watch The Godfather or Star Trek Two, or um, or Midnight Run. Just you know, Oh, like, mate, those three <laughs> choices. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I saw Midnight Run so many times. It's just, it's just. You remember that scene in Midnight Run where um, Yafat Koto first grab him, uh, uh, Robert De Niro off the street, and then they dump him on the street, and then Robert De Niro walks away with um, the, the 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 federal badge, and then he he turns and does this, yeah, that action man pose. Yeah. Me and my nephews used to find that hilarious, and my sister would be like, "I don't get it. What's so funny about that?" It's just, what's wrong with you? That's a, that that might be my top 10 all-time films. If, if things had been different, we'd have still hated each other. I mean, what, a, what you know. <laughs> but that is, that is a perfect movie. Sometimes you just have to get yourself a new watch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Reg, thank you so much for your time. That was dynamite. So th thank you. We're, we're, we're really grateful. Enjoy the rest of the tour. I hope to see you in real life uh, as soon as possible. Re really appreciate it, Reg. Much love. Hey, baby, you're still as cool as the other side of the pillow. Take care of yourself. Yes! <laughs> Cheers, Reg. Take care, pal. Uh, big thanks to Super Reg. Uh, Tim, your favourite Reginald D. Hunter memory. So I'd say it was probably about 10 years ago. I was at a gig. This is pre-working comedy. I was just at a little comedy gig, and there was an unannounced secret guest. Ooh. Ooh. And that secret guest was Reginald D. Hunter. <laughs> I, was, I was going to rubbish joke, and that, that that's your guest was James A. Caster. But no, it was Reginald D. Hunter. <laughs> and he did, he did about half an hour all oh, new stuff, right. all about stuff had happened that week, and it was just otherworldly, just brilliant. It was so exciting. So that has to be my favourite time I ever saw Reggie Hunter. Mate, what, what a great choice. Uh, we'll, we'll, I'll tell you what, Tim, we'll do a shameless Christmas uh, advert. We do 
uh, e-gifts. I wasn't intending to do this, I promise, but um, here we are. Basically, I love this David Spade podcast, and he did a bit on his own podcast promoting his live dates. I thought, David's, if David Spade can do a bit, we, we can. Alwaysbecomedy.com slash gifts, and we design these bespoke... I'm really cheapening myself here. We do these bespoke posters for Christmas, and the the the, uh, the requests are coming in already. Uh, so if you, if, you, if you want to buy someone a gift, the gift of laughter, and that is priceless. Well... £24.50 for the uh, headline acts package. Um, we will do, we'll design them a, a Christmas poster. It will all make sense if you visit alwaysbecomedy.com. And then upcoming shows across the weeks and months, we've got, oh my, Tim, we've got, we've got Rich Hall on Sunday the 3rd of December. Actual Rich Hall. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But if you're listening on the day it comes out, this upcoming Sunday, one of the all-time greats, the inspiration for one of the all-time great comedy characters in Mo Sislak. We've got Rich Hall, one for best. That is true, isn't it? The man yeah. thing. Appa- apparently. <laughs> Blimey, O'Reilly. It, it, yeah. Lara Ricotte, full work in progress. Just a fiver. 12th yeah. of December. Uh, Pasco. I think this might have sold out by the time the episode comes out. We've just put a show on with Sarah Pascoe. It's inst- as you would expect, because it's Sarah Pascoe. It's instantly almost sold out Tuesday, the 19th of December. And then into the new year, there are the likes of uh, Jen Brister, uh, Josh Pugh, uh, Finn Taylor, Sindhu V, uh, Catherine Bohart, and many, many more. Uh, and we are also, I think, if you check out the website, I think some Ed Gamble shows might have gone on sale as well. Mm. Some Ed Gamble pre- tour previews. So you can find all of that and more at alwaysbecomedy.com. What's your favourite Reg Lee Hunter memory? I once gigged with Reg. I was emceeing Outside the Box for lovely Math Brown. And it was just having a backstage chat about baseball with Reginald D. Hunter and I don't really know anything about baseball but because I was enjoying the chat so much with such a hero of comedy I just sort of had to style it out I think I, th- I think anyone would have done the same thing because the chat was so nice and and rather than go oh god I don't know anything about baseball and then run the risk of the conversation ending <laughs> uh, <laughs> Now, we've gigged with each other a few times, and I've also warmed up a few TV shows that he's done. Um, but that very first meeting, he is a very charismatic guy. Uh, he's got... Tim, he, he's like... It's going to sound ridiculous. He, he's um, He's got the soul of a poet. No, I know what you mean. He, he does. He does. He's his own thing. There's real depth to the guy. Uh, and when you talk to him, you realise... You know what he doesn't do, Tim? He doesn't do, like, small talk. You have, like, it's a proper conversation with Reg. Yeah, he's he's a big talk guy. Absolutely. He's a bit, well, as we just discovered on the pod there, but he's he's a big talk guy. And as you will as you will discover when you see him live as well, uh, yeah, it doesn't do flim-flam. Proper, proper talk with, proper grown-up talk with Reg. Uh, a very special guy. We're, we're very lucky that to, to have him around. And it was, uh, Tim, it was a real honour and a thrill to to have such a dude on the pod as well yeah great to have him yeah 
It was lovely, lovely stuff to have him. It was lovely stuff. Uh, I, I went for a wee halfway through and WhatsApped him and we WhatsApped each other, basically going, this is this is great. Am I revealing too much there with the with the mid-show wee? It's a bit no, of a it's a bit of a ritual. I mean, I've revealed way too much there. Uh, next week, oh, tell you what, Tim, we can spoil next week's episode because we can plug the show, the show. Great, great show. Charlie Baker is with us next week. Uh, friend, hashtag friend of the night. Charlie Baker is a human being I love so much that I would easily roll a tear. I'll tell you this about Charlie Baker. When Jonglers, fo- when Jonglers folded, owing me a G and a half, Charlie Baker got in touch immediately to see if he could help the Gill family out financially. Wow. That, I had no idea. That's so lovely. Isn't that in- incredible? He I'm didn't not have surprised. To do it. He's lovely. He's a really lovely guy. Didn't have to do it. We didn't. We did. We we didn't need him to do it. Uh, but the fact that he offered. Hang on, I'm not saying that I'm a trillionaire. Obviously not. But we, but we did. You know what I mean? Is the the Gill family did not need to take him up on his very kind offer. But it falls into the bracket of he didn't have to do it, but he did it anyway. He's a Charlie Baker is another very special soul. Charlie Baker um, is on tour, and there is a very specific London date because we do have, uh, we're very lucky that we have listeners all over the world, um, including Australia. We've quite, we're, Tim, we, have a, we, we actually have a lot of listeners in Australia. Is that because of the Taskmaster thing? Because Taskmaster's big in Oz. I think so. I think if we can reveal this, I think Australia is probably the second country that listens to us for most. Australia is the second country. Yeah. UK, naturally, number one. And then straight to Oz. Hello, hello, people of Australia. We're we're grateful. We're grateful for every listener. Charlie Baker, twenty-four hour pasty people, is playing at the iconic comedy store in London on the sixth of December. Uh, do yourself a favour, and uh, if, we've got our Christmas charity special that night. It's it's sold out. So if you missed out on tickets to that, uh, go see one of the best in Charlie Baker. Enormously funny. London.thecomedystore.co.uk Charlie Baker, 24-hour pasty people, 6th of December. An iconic comedian in an iconic venue. And that, by the way, Tim, that is another absolutely banging champion episode. I just loved it. I really, really love Charlie anyway. And he just talks so warmly about comedy. It's great. You're going to love his picks. Lovely this as well. Here we go. The Guardian. A superior take on the modern showman. Great. Yeah. I'd I'd agree. Would you say showman or showman? Showman, isn't it? Showman, I'd say. Superior take on the modern showman. I wish I'd got that first time, but uh, hey, I'm I'm a a ruddy human being. Just finished warming up with Mel Gedroich for Unforgivable, and I now say the word ruddy a thousand percent more than I, I used to say it quite a lot, but having spent a week with old Geddes, she ruddy loves the word ruddy. Right. Oh, uh, national treasure. Bang on one for great. Uh, have a great week, everybody. Thank you so much. God bless you all. We're very grateful. Have a nice week. Bye. 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 Bye.